This is Burkittsville, formerly Blair. It is a small, quiet Maryland town, much like a small, quiet town anywhere. No more than 20 families laid their roots here over 200 years ago, many of whom remain, either on this hill or in the town below. There are an unusually high number of children laid to rest here, most of whom passed in the 1940s. Yet no one in the town seems to recall anything unusual about this time, to us anyway. Yet legend tells a different story, one whose evidence is all around us, etched in stone. Welcome to Now Playing's Blair Witch Project retrospective series. Hosted by Arnie, Stuart, and Jacob. These podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. Today we're discussing Blair Witch, starring James Allen McCune, Callie Hernandez, Brandon Scott, Valerie Curry, directed by Adam Wingard. This is Arnie, co-host of Now Playing, and you guys want this? This is on you. Stuart in L.A. This is Jacob, and this looks familiar. We've been podcasting in circles. <laughs> How'd we get here? I know, like a year ago, three film fans went into the Burkittsville woods to talk about a retrospective, and a year later, new footage pops up. What is this? Had we known, we would have done Blair Witch all three this year, but... Yeah, we thought it was a dead series. I knew there would be another one eventually in our reboot culture, but I guess that's the point. Nobody knew that in secret they were making a Blair Witch 3. Yeah, I did some reading on this. This was all studio-driven. Lionsgate owned the rights, and they didn't want people to know they were rebooting it, and they blamed internet hate culture so that they'd have to do this all in secret so that there wouldn't be time for the internet to hate it before it ever came out. It's okay, there's plenty of time after it comes out, guys, so thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, but if Ghostbuster is any sign, a lot of the damage is done beforehand. You know, that works for Beyonce because you can consume the album, like, the day it comes out, but it, we still had to wait two months. <laughs> well, they did have to market the film. Yeah, I think all of this really came out of VHS 2, the horror anthology that premiered at Sundance, 2013. I mentioned on the last Blair Witch podcast that one of the directors featured on that anthology was Sanchez. The co-director of Blair Witch Project came back to do a 10-minute bit about a guy wearing a GoPro that got turned into a zombie. So they brought him to Sundance 2013 to promote that movie, and he ran into one of the other directors, which was Adam Wingard, and they got to talking. Of course, they're going to talk about Blair Witch Project, and it was a friendly conversation. It didn't end with any kind of offer, but I think because those two were talking, it prompted Lionsgate to call a couple weeks later. Actually, it's a little bit trickier than that, is they did discuss Blair Witch, Sanchez, and Wingard, but then just coincidentally, Lionsgate approached Wingard, and he, because he'd already talked with Sanchez, felt like he had their blessing, and so he went into it with Lionsgate. But the original filmmakers really aren't involved at all in this. No, they're producers. Yeah, they're producers in name, but Myrick and Sanchez said in an interview they'd have loved to make a Blair Witch movie, but Lionsgate wanted to go in a different direction. Their direct quote is, we had no power, it's not ours. 
Myrick and Sanchez, they wanted to make a prequel. They wanted to make a story about the Blair Witch set in the 18th century, and Lionsgate thought for this film, after so many years without one, the best thing to do was to... They said reboot, but it's kind of a reboot. It's basically the Force Awakens kind of reboot, the Independence Day kind of reboot. We're going to reboot and remake the last film, but we're going to call it a sequel by referencing things that happened. Well, it's it's kind of like that Thing sequel that we reviewed a few years back as well in that regard. It was a pioneer in that way. Yeah, they hit all the same notes. They wanted to repeat everything. I mean, I feel, do you want to reboot or do you want to do a fake sequel? That's like, remember when we just debated if something was a reboot or a remake? Now we're combining that with sequels. It's getting very confusing. It's a requel. I'm going <laughs> to trademark that requel. <laughs> you know what? To go back and make that 17th, 18th century witch movie, that's already been done too. I saw it earlier this year. It's called The Witch. Yes. It's pretty good, but it, there's no point in doing a Blair Witch version of that. They were beaten to the punch. So I think they're lucky that they just said, hey, it has actually been 17 years. Why don't we just remake the thing for an audience that wasn't born yet when it came out? And I'll say this. I, I Now that I've seen the movie, I do feel that this was very studio-driven, but I was pretty excited for this even though it's a reboot or a remake or whatever we're calling it a sequel but i was into this director adam wingard i've seen your next and because of stewart's recommendation i saw the guest both very good horror slasher thriller type films a lot of style that he, he brings with it now that i've seen this film i i wonder how much involvement he actually had though he's pretty involved i mean he and his co-collaborator that's worked on all his films wrote and put this out but i do think that they had a lot of notes and they followed the spine of the original one pretty close i have seen your next and i liked it okay i thought the ending was a little bit of a cop-out just abrupt it was like okay we're done today no that's how his endings are i mean see the guest i have not seen the guest i've heard mixed things about the guest so i wasn't rushing towards it i love the guest that's the one that made me more of a fan i, I you know i think that what's exciting is that we don't live in a culture where there's too many new directors being introduced, period. I'm not hearing about a lot of new talent coming to the screen. So every time there is, it's worth paying attention to, that he's part of the breakout of horror directors we have now, like Ty West, Wingard. I feel like he's in that very small club. And so that makes him special. Your next, I had mixed feelings about The Guest. It's not really a horror movie, but it is a pretty cool Captain America movie. Yeah, it's Jason Bourne meets a slasher. I love how it turns into a haunted house story the last 30 minutes. You're right. That climax is pretty horrific. But yeah, I definitely recommend that one. And I want to see more of what this guy does. I think that if you were going to reboot Blair Witch Project, he makes a lot of sense. He contributed to those VHS movies, tricks that he did in his installment. He's going to repeat here. You know, here we have some earpiece cameras. In his installment of VHS 2, there was actually an eyeball that someone had replaced that became a camera. That I can see why they thought he would have what it takes to make a Blair Witch. And they didn't approach anyone else. The reason why this got to be a secret project was he was the first choice they had, and he said yes. So it was not shopped around town. Nobody else was asked. And so nobody knew what he was doing for three years. Yeah, it was revealed at Comic-Con, and 
They did a screening there. You thought you were going to see the woods, and surprise, it's Blair Witch. I actually heard rumblings. Somehow it got around Comic-Con. I kept hearing people say, I hear the woods is connected to Blair Witch, and I was like, okay, all right, whatever. There was a horror website that had broke it even a few months earlier, but no one believed it. I, I had heard that the woods was very good. I saw the teaser trailer in which they had a woman singing off-key every breath you take to some stock footage of a forest and thought, Oh, maybe we will cover that for now playing, <laughs> having no idea that most certainly once it was revealed what it really was, we'd have to. I just kind of think we stirred the ghost, you know, it's like you, it's like bringing up Freddy after he's dead. If you keep giving him power, they bring it back. One year ago, we reviewed the Blair Witch and now she's back to haunt us again. Yeah, but if we do new releases for horror, they seem to die. Friday the 13th, Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street. So maybe this is the death of the Blair Witch now that we're doing a weekend of release show. Did you see the box office numbers? It doesn't need us to kill it. Yeah, if the Blair Witch pushes over a tree in the forest and no one's there to witness it, <laughs> did it happen? I feel like this should have been a hot property. The buzz at the Comic-Con was this was not only good, it was great. It was as good or better than the original. It was going to change the face of horror. It left me with a lot of questions like are they making it the same way is it scripted did they film it as found footage i couldn't tell from the trailers if this was found footage or not i'd be good getting rid of the found footage things i'm sure we'll discuss it more but from that trailer you couldn't tell I should have known watching VHS too, but I had no idea. Yeah, I think they hit it because we even had a conversation. There's these nice establishing shots. There were certain scenes that were in the trailer that I'm like, okay, that's definitely point of view of a camera in there. But is it going to cut back and forth? Is it going to be all found footage? I didn't know until I sat down to see the movie that, yep, it is going to be all found footage. Modern day found footage, digital found footage. They're going to have a drone now. They're going to prove that it is still able to be convincing that you're lost in the woods in the day of GPS. I, I do think one of the things that we should maybe reiterate is that that original Blair Witch, what really makes that, I think, a different found footage film is it was mostly improvised from those actors. Like, this is scripted. Like, yes. these actors know what they're going to say. In that original one, it was like, we're going to set up some rocks and then tell the actors to react to that. Agreed. And that seems to be the complaint. I mean, I think it's funny. It's a losing proposition to make a sequel to Blair Witch. No matter what you do, I feel like someone's going to hate you for it. But yeah, the original was hated on because, hey, we thought it was real and you tricked us. The sequel was hated on for a lot of reasons. <laughs> because it's and Book of Shadows, yeah. <laughs> and then and this one, what I was hearing the complaints about, and, and it seems to be a growing mob here, is that, oh, it's them repeating the same thing, but in a scripted format. There's no spontaneity. There's not enough new and way, 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 way. Well, let me add to that. I also think this one was too well shot. One of the things that I absolutely admire about the performers in that first film is they were also the cinematographers. Here, you have... Robbie Baumgartner, who did Hunger Games Catching Fire, as well as dozens of other films, doing all the filming. I felt it. I really felt the difference of having a DP who's lining up shots, and I could tell a couple of times, I'm like, oh, he's using the rule of thirds there. I got two-thirds black screen and one-third head. But that's a sign of the times, don't you think? I mean, maybe in 1994, with film cameras, you know, you wouldn't know what you were getting. But in this day and age where people grow up with a cell phone in their pocket, I think everyone has become a better cameraman. And I think I'm seeing that in found footage movies. Last year's Shyamalan movie, The Visit, 
had an aspiring filmmaker. And even though it was found footage, you never saw a, sh a shaky cam shot because she was wanting it to be well composed. And I think that that's just a, a, an evolution of this subgenre now. And I want to just put it out there again. It, it, it needs to be reset. None of us are huge fans of the found footage genre. And at this point, I am wondering, once I found out that it was made in this way, what new can be done with it? My favorite ones of the genre still tend to be some of the earliest. Blair Witch, Cloverfield, Wreck, Man Bites Dog, Ghost Watch. I, I don't see that anything in the last eight years has really pushed found footage further than where it started. And I'll agree. I'm not a huge fan. I actually try to avoid it. Sometimes it's not completely horrible. Honestly, I didn't necessarily care for the movie, but I thought the found footage thing worked for Josh Trank's Chronicle. But by and large, I just think it worked great for Blair Witch. I still love that original Blair Witch. Found footage worked perfectly for it. It was the greatest way to tell that story. But I see it now as a lot of Me Too-ism. And here, it's funny because I feel... <laughs> that has come full circle is a lot of horror movies like Paranormal Activity have ripped off Blair Witch, and now here's Blair Witch trying to say, well, we're the granddaddy of this, so we're going to take some of that Paranormal Activity money back. Yeah, ironically, they probably spent more in adding those, like, digital remnants in this film than they did on the entire original Blair Witch movie. <laughs> and I feel though, like trying to do this now, remaking it as found footage, I just don't see how that's going to work. And again, with a director who has a big sense of style, I feel like something might be lost if you're going to confine him to having to do it as a found footage film. And I just want to put it out there. I went back and saw Cannibal Holocaust because when we called Blair Witch the, the granddaddy of all, you know, found footage movies, we got a lot of pushback that this movie from 1979, 1980, the band film Cannibal Holocaust was actually the first. You know what? It's only half. It is half a movie about a guy that goes into the Amazon jungle, finds dead filmmakers, and then brings their footage back. And then they play some of it. But they're always cutting out of that footage and having a story going on. So I still think that Blair Witch did pioneer this by being only found footage. And I want to say that I'm talking about things that I've seen in the movie before we get into the review. But... If any movie was going to have me go in with a fully open mind for found footage, it would be Blair Witch. It's how the original was done. Blair Witch Book of Shadows. None of us recommended it. I think it's unduly hated on, but it's not a good movie either, so I'm defending the indefensible. But it, yes, with Blair Witch, I was fine if they went found footage. I was fine if they went standard cinematic shooting. I... Just wanted to see what they could do in what was purported to be a direct sequel featuring Heather's brother to that original movie. How could they add on it in ways the video games and the Book of Shadows and the actual books and the sci-fi channel documentaries did not? Well, the only way to know is to go back into those woods, Arnie. You got the plot? 
It's been 20 years since the events depicted in the original Blair Witch Project movie, and what happened to Heather, Josh, and Michael is still a mystery. But Heather's much younger brother James, played by James Allen McCune, has always held out hope that Heather is safe and kept a safe search for any news about Burkittsville or Blair. When a video is uploaded to YouTube purporting to be found DV tape that has a few frames showing a woman that James believes to be Heather, he decides to go looking. And going with him is his longtime friend Peter, played by Brandon Scott, Ashley, played by Corbin Reed, and Lisa Arlington, a student filmmaker friend of Peter's who plans to document this search for a documentary. They go and meet the guy who uploaded the footage named Lane, played by Wes Robinson, and his girlfriend Talia, played by Valerie Curry. Lane says he'll take the group to where he found the tape, but only if he and Talia are allowed to tag along. The group reluctantly agree, and on their first night of camping, they hear strange noises and awaken very late in the day to find little Blair Witch stick figures all around. Frightened, they all go to leave, but on their way, discover the figures were a trick by Lane, who even faked the DV tape he uploaded. Talia and Lane are expelled from the group, and the remaining foursome try to leave the woods. But they find themselves walking in circles and are hampered by a bad cut to Ashley's foot. They camp out again, but strange noises come in the night. Soon the terror ramps up. A tree falls on Peter, and soon Lane and Talia return, claiming they've been lost for five days. The group allows them to stay, and Talia does, but Lane runs off. But more noises come, more Blair Witch stick figures show up, and when Ashley snaps one of them in half, Talia has been backwards in some way that breaks the bones in her body before she's dragged off by an unseen person or force. Ashley then climbs a tree to recover their stuck drone, but she's seemingly pushed and falls to her death. Alone, James and Lisa keep running until they come upon a house. Lisa doesn't want to go in, but James insists his sister is in there. But all that's really inside is the witch and Lane. The two run and are attacked. Lane shoves Lisa into a cellar, but she crawls and finds her way out, and eventually reunites with James upstairs. Loud noises crash behind them, but James says if they stand in the corner facing the wall, they'll be fine. But the noises tempt them to each turn around individually and are seemingly dragged to their death as credits and the cameras keep rolling. So yeah, it's Blair Witch the remake. It is about as different as Starkiller Base is from the Death Star, right? <laughs> yeah, right down to the opening text, which, I mean, it's an acknowledging of that. I mean, we have an almost identical preface in which we're told that DV and memory cards are found May 15th, 2014. That's exactly 20 years beyond when those filmmakers went in there. I mean, I guess what it tells us is that these people are doomed, that we should not get too invested in their outcome, that they too will be disappeared, killed perhaps, but certainly will not be at the end of the film delivering a finished documentary. Well, I was somewhat confused by that title card because it's like it, it had the year 2014 and we see some footage that's supposedly the original Heather in that house at the end of the film. And then we find out that's a YouTube clip. So I'm like, is that title card for the YouTube clip mm -hmm. or for this movie? I'm like, oh, so this movie really isn't found footage. Good. But no, it was referring to the movie because then we're going to find out that was 20 years ago. Heather went missing and I don't understand it. This must be a stepbrother. There's so many years between them. He was four when she went missing. Yeah. And she was in her 20s. I have a sister who was in grad school when I was in early grade school. It is possible. I mean, my oldest sister is 13 years my sister. 20 is extreme, but possible. Yeah. Funny enough, I didn't think too much about that. But 
I think that this was the right hook. That someone would be obsessed with this footage for a personal reason is a good hook. And there was a young adult book series that tried to make some cousin exploring all this supernatural phenomenon, trying to find Heather. I think that makes this protagonist more than just a generic 20-something. No, I agree. I like that there's some connection. I, you know, with Books of Shadows, I didn't even really, one of the few things I didn't mind was, you know, they had turned the woods into a tourist attraction. So you had reasons for people going there. This isn't just another set of campers that are going to show up for whatever reason. So I, I like, yeah, that, that this is, a, there's a personal connection to that good Blair Witch movie. I'll, I'll go with that. And I like that it displays the arrogance of youth. You know, his sister went out and got lost in the woods and... He thinks that he's better. He's bringing a few more people with him. He's got GPS. Yeah, he's got new tech. So he thinks that whatever happened to her, not only won't it happen to him, but he'll possibly rescue her. And she's been living feral in the woods for... Wait, 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 wait. That is the part I didn't even understand for half the movie. Like, he stops it and he's like, did you see her? That's obviously the witch, right? They get that out of the way because that's got to be a big thing hanging over this movie. Oh, they better show me the witch in this movie and so he or she is right up the top it's a blurry frame they haven't given too much away but no we're to believe that he thinks that might be his sister ouch you don't look like a hag at 42 or whatever heather would be i was <laughs> confused i thought when he kept saying i want to find heather i thought he meant heather's remains her bones yeah, no, it's confusing that he thinks she's still alive. And we'll see a conversation a little bit later between Lisa, Pete, and Ashley at a bar where, for some reason, they're filming themselves. But, you know, they tell Lisa, hey, don't exploit James. You know, th th this is kind of his last hope. But, like, even they're skeptical of this. Like, there's no reason to believe Heather's actually alive. No. And that's not the actress, Heather Donahue, is it? I mean, I don't think. Yeah, no, no it's yeah. not. No. I oh, oh, the actual face that you see. Yeah, I believed that there was a possibility, a decent possibility that Heather Donahue would show up in this film. I thought they might have kept it a secret, so I was waiting, but I did look. She's neither uncredited nor credited in this film. Yeah, they get a thank you at the very end of the credits, the original cast members, but I didn't see any cameos from the original crew. They have a little bit of their footage they show at the beginning. Exactly. Yeah, a little bit of just to remind folks that saw the original and to give context for what's happening to those that have heard about Blair Witch but never got around to seeing it. But in this one, they're going to go see Darknet666 who uploaded that YouTube video. Ooh, 666, you know he's evil. And it's Darknet, yeah. One of the things I feel this is missing, though, like, they have their little journey to go meet Darknet. In that original Blair Witch, which really, like, just put me on edge and made it feel creepy, was those interviews, which just all the townsfolks where they're telling these different ghost stories. And some of them were very, like, scary, actually, like the way they were delivered. This one, they expect you to know that first film, which I think might be a mistake coming out so much later than the original. Like, there's going to be some conversation about who the Blair Witch is and what happened to her later. But I felt like that was such a, a strong moment in that film to really set up this thread. And it's missing here. I don't feel that dread at the beginning like I did before. 
maybe there is nobody in town anymore. Maybe it has been largely abandoned. It has been 20 years since that happened and 17 years since the phenomenon broke. I don't think that whoever is left would be willing to talk to a new camera crew about that old Blair Witch nonsense. That it would just end up being these kids who are mad at the local populace who won't be told the stories and thus have to investigate themselves and put up whatever footage they can and spread the news. I kind of go with that. And we probably need to credit Wingard and screenwriter Simon Barrett for this, because apparently Lionsgate came to them and said, here's what the story for the new Blair Witch will be. It will be Heather's brother and two of his friends going out in the woods, interviewing the locals, getting lost. Wow. So they really did want to repeat that first film. Yeah, they wanted an exact repeat. And it was the director who said, you know, I think I want to mix it up a little bit. I want to up the body count so we can have a bit more death, a bit more horror. So we're going to add some people. And I think by doing that, they lost the interviews with the locals. They do drop, and it was good to remind me as well. It's only been a year since we did our deep dive, but Rustin Parr and Ellie Blair Witch. I do feel like when they expand the mythology, I remember like, why is this about a witch? And then there's a dude killing kids in a house. I feel like they connect a lot of that here. They're going to tell us. I think they explain that wicker man symbol, basically, that, that wooden stick figure. Like the witch was put out in the forest and like basically racked. They tied stones to her arms. Like they give little hints like that to explain a lot of the mystery from that original. I didn't read all the books or play the video game. Maybe that stuff's in there. But I did appreciate how they expanded and, and tied together some of the myth there. Yeah, and it's vague enough that if you don't want to accept that, it's not conclusive. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to appeal to an audience that didn't like that the first one was so ambiguous, that didn't get scared by it, that does not think raw found footage without context is that scary. So here, we're going to definitely know there's a witch. We're going to see her at the end. It's There's no doubt that this is a supernatural phenomenon that they're going to run into, although there is going to be some human interference here. I think we're going to have to look at Lane a little bit more closely. But I do like the idea that they expanded the characters, and I like the fact that there's really two groups. It's kind of a red state, blue state thing. You have these college kids, and then you have these local rubes who... They don't trust. They got a big Confederate flag in their living room. Yeah, that's how you know they're bad. Well, you know, that's how you know that the black friend is not going to be cool with them joining the group. But they have the edge here. They claim to have found that footage on the internet in a tree and can only show them personally. So they have to tag along at least for the first day. And I'm going to give them a little bit of a compliment. I like their music choice. NKVD, I looked this up. It's a French industrial black metal artist. I was totally rocking to that stuff, yeah. Yeah. Hack Marja, if you really want to know. I'm sure I mangled that, but uh, it's a pretty cool song that he's jamming out to when they pull into the woods and get hiking. I do feel that is a wingered trademark. Like He does awesome soundtracks and, and song choices. Yeah, your next was full of just great thumping music. And same with the guest like it, it was weirdly reminiscent of drive if you ever saw that with a lot of like chill core yeah i like all the choices and if we must repeat things i do like you guys I like that they will challenge what we've known before and sort of connect things and that we do try to build a mystery around them and we get the tech moment right where they're going to show off all their gear they now have like they look like bluetooth headsets yeah, do they make cameras like that, Arnie? You'll know. Actually, they do, and I'm planning on getting one for the next time I go to a convention for those no-photos <laughs> area. Everybody's just going to think I'm a douchebag with a Bluetooth. 
it seems really hard to line up your shot, though, unless like there's some little screen on your iPhone you could watch it on. Well, think about GoPros. I mean, you don't line that shot up. It's just whatever you're looking at. Yeah, putting it on your ear, though. Just don't have long hair, I guess. Yeah, it's the technicians have figured that out so that it will follow your eye line. But they wanted to do what the original did and have the actors film themselves. What they found was that this footage, when blown up into theatrical presentation, just was not acceptable. And I think we can all be grateful that this is a better, richer-looking DV image than what they were claiming looked like a CD-ROM from the 90s when they blew it up. It pulled me out of it a little bit because I know the kind of footage drones get. And when it was giving me those rich, lush forest shots, I'm like, uh uh-uh. Well, I wasn't talking about the drone. I was talking about the headsets. But the drone, you've noticed the blur. When it goes up, I don't feel like it is a pristine shot by any means. No, when it goes up, I think it's actually drone footage. But then every so often they cut away to the people on the ground looking up at the drone. And all of a sudden, we're in like full 8K resolution. I can make out every leaf for an expanded Vista helicopter shot. Well, I do think Lisa is a film student. This gets undersold, but she is doing this for a class project. She just has decided to exploit her, I think, ex-boyfriend. They used to have a relationship, and they're still friendly. Maybe they're friends with benefits. Yeah, there's some tension when they end up in the same tent. So there was a relationship, or they want a relationship. I get the sense that... Peter, the best friend, doesn't really approve of these two as a couple, and so they try to hide it, that the attraction starts to build as they're traveling around. Yeah, I wasn't sure who was sleeping with who, and in the end, I thought it perhaps was my old-fashioned mindset trying to pair these people up, because we're... Peter and Ashley a couple, we're James and Lisa a couple. They're in the same tent at the beginning. Yeah, but Peter and Ashley were a couple, for sure. I I think she's going along only because she wants to be with her boyfriend. She's very prissy, and I do like her character, that she would get a pedicure before going on an extended hike in the woods shows you how not tapped into what she's about to do she is. She does seem like the odd man out. I'm wondering why Ashley is there, but I guess it's because her boyfriend's going. Yeah. Well, no, the thing that confused me is at the club, because they all go clubbing the night before they go hiking, is... Peter and Ashley are arguing with Lisa about filming it, and she goes, just because I don't know her as long as you both do. So I get the feeling that Ashley is also a longtime family friend, making me wonder if she and Peter were siblings for a while. I was, I had trouble figuring it all out. Yeah, I think that she was introduced to Lisa through dating Peter, and that she's not a part of this group. She's not tapped into that she's going to find a witch or any of that. No, I mean, if she were, she probably would not go into this. But she thinks that she's going to be with her boyfriend in a tent, and it might get romantic, and she's going to get a really cute pedicure so that she can look really good. Yeah, I don't think any of them think they're going to run into a witch. I mean, you look at how Peter's acting as they're hiking into that forest and he's giving Lane and Talia, who are both Darknet 666, a hard time because they had that Confederate flag up. So, of course, there's going to be some tension there. I don't think any of them are taking it too seriously. I mean, they know they're looking for this house that no one ever found. We know there was a search party that went looking for Heather and the other two after the events of that first film. And no house was ever found. And that's what they want to really find here. Yeah, they say that Rustin Parr's house burned down and that there was like an underground railroad beneath it but then <laughs> there's, there's tunnels a, yes well no they say underground railroad yeah i felt like they're messing with peter 
I'd really like to just put it out there. The Underground Railroad wasn't actually in underground tunnels. They might have had a tunnel under a house to hide people while they were staying there overnight. But there would be no underground tunnels leading to the north from the south. Yes, it was metaphorical underground. Not And I feel like it's sane with the light. And again, there's that racial tension between Lane and Peter. And I feel it might be a jab at that. Yes, it's bringing up the whole Civil War thing, which the earlier material, I remember when I was reading the dossier, that was mentioned, the fact that that house was linked to Civil War time. So it leads me to believe they did their research and they okay. might bring obscure things from the lore, from the old website and from the old dossiers into this movie. I'm waiting for that stuff. There's not a whole lot of it, but there is that Civil War mention. But it also was setting up the fact that they want to have an extended climax in the Rustin Parr house. And yeah, they're going to send someone into some tunnels. So now we know where those tunnels came from. But really, we just kind of repeat the beats from the first one. Everybody's going out. Everybody's hiking. The only thing new that I found in this one is they have to cross a little stream. I was getting shades of Into the Wild, wondering when they came back, would the stream become this unpassable rapids? But while crossing, they go barefoot, and Ashley gets a hell of a bad cut on her foot, and James is actually a useful character. He's a paramedic, so... Yeah, they drop a shot of him in front of an ambulance early on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was kind of a creepy moment, because they were just talking about how the fact that one of the witch attacks, one of the earliest ones, was that a little girl got grabbed by a furry woman and pulled into that creek. So the fact that she gets her foot temporarily stuck, it was like, wow, are we going to... Is that supernatural? Yeah, and they've passed this tree where they supposedly found the tapes that, I guess, lightning burnt it from the roots up. It's got this very weird burn mark, and I feel like that is the entry point. Like, that is the marking of the Blair Witch's territory. Once they pass that, yeah, we're going to have the incident in the creek, and things are going to start going wrong. Well, they tried to explain away why all of the people who did the search parties never disappeared, and it's said by Lane that you have to spend a night in the woods, and if you spend the night, then you're hers. And sure enough, that's what's going to happen to them as well. And of course, it's thrown back at him. Well, then why weren't you grabbed? And that leads a couple things. Let's talk about Lane. Is he faking? Has he never spent a night in the woods? Or is he in cahoots with the Blair Witch? I think he's faking. It's not like it's ambiguous. The way I took this movie is that he's faking because he's been too scared to go out there. They bring up that his camera is an older camera, a DV camera, like I had in the 90s around the time of the first Blair Witch. Yep. And that's the same kind of footage he claims to have found. And so I think he pretty much cops to faking it, mm. but he wanted people to go out there with him. And so they all went out together. But why would he do that? Well, why does anyone put up fake stuff on the internet or YouTube? I, there's a sense of fame that you want. I don't think it's too hard to figure out why he would fake this and want to get the hits, get some advertising revenue. I love the scene where they're at his house and Lisa's like, I need you to sign a waiver. And he's, Lane's like, yeah, and I need you to sign one too. Yeah, it legitimizes it by having outside filmmakers from the big city college find 
evidence, I guess, that it proves it's more than him. But I want to point out that footage he did not shoot. He will cop to hanging some wicker men, but he never copped to shooting that footage. He's reluctant to talk about the camera that he has. Yeah, I feel it's ambiguous because Lisa's going to call him out on that camera. And it's real obvious when she's doing, she's like, oh, so that's DV, hmm? the older camera, you know, same kind of tape that they found at the tree. Like, if it's not definitive, it's left up in the air. I guess because he was putting the stick figures up and it's uncovered that they brought some twine with them so they could make the stick figures and hang them up. And that happens right after Lisa brings up, hey, that camera is the same camera that uses mm-hmm. the same kind of tape that I took it as definitive that he was faking everything up until this point just because he wanted the ratings. And I think he was too afraid to go out there alone, but he felt safer with those college kids. Yeah, and at this point, you would naturally conclude that. They conclude that. That's why they want to get rid of this crew after that discovery. But we will see the footage that's on the internet get shot later in the film. There is a weird time loop that is happening in which it has to only be supernatural. He didn't find that footage. He may be working with the Blair Witch to create that footage. And I consider that the movie has those two readings to it. You could either look at Lane as a collaborator. He definitely is going to go Rustin Parr later in the film or as, yeah, a charlatan. I think neither one is conclusively proven. Yeah, I think you could say that Lane, maybe he went by himself and spent the night and got attacked by the Blair Witch and he's been told to bring people back as she needs more whatever blood to feast on. Well, if I can kind of jump ahead, I'm pretty sure, having seen this now, that the person who James thinks is Heather in that tape is actually Lisa from the end. And there's some time travel kind of stuff going on. So I feel like he uploaded a video of Lisa, which actually lures Lisa into the woods. Yeah, we don't know that we ever see the witch. I mean, I think that, yeah, we see a woman that could very well be the witch if there is a witch. But it's also mentioned during these campfire stories the first night that if you see the witch, you'll die. If you look at her directly, I mean, again, skipping to the end, we'll see Lisa looking through her camera's viewfinder, which, you know, is is like that uh, little gimmick where I'm not looking directly at her. I'm looking at a reflection of her. Clash of the Titans, Perseus. You know, I'll I'll look through my shield. But yeah, I mean, it is mentioned one of the lore. And again, we don't have to believe any of this. But one of the things brought up is that that's why that you're put into the corner is that she doesn't want you dead yet. Because once you look directly at her, it's all over. And I did like that detail that made it even more enjoyable that we haven't gotten a good shot of this witch because she is the personification of death. To see her is to no longer be alive. Now, I have been camping in the last year since we taped those shows, and I want to say it's very, very real. Those tree snappings here in California, we're in a drought. Trees are falling down (laughs) by the minute. You can't believe how many snappings of branches and trees. I was at Yosemite, and someone actually was killed that week. A branch fell on them. It just it happens all the time. So when I hear that snapping, I'm not thinking which. I'm thinking, look out, put up a stronger tent because that stuff will get you when it falls. I did enjoy the scenes of Pete trying to assemble a tent. That's a, probably what I would be like trying to assemble a tent. 
Yeah, they're not qualified for this. They went yeah. out here basically to get a good footage and to support their friend who really is delusional to think he's going to find his sister alive. But they are not really ready. By having better equipment doesn't mean they're any better prepared than those original trio of filmmakers. And I'm not going to knock the sound effects in this film. I think they're great. They're creepy. The problem is I know them already because I've seen that original Blair Witch. Like, again, if this was the first Blair Witch I've seen, maybe it'd have more of an impact. But I know these sounds and I can intellectually go, oh, yes, yes, yes. Those are very off-putting and scary. And I'd be scared in this situation. But I don't feel that same sense of dread that I did when I watched that original Blair Witch because I didn't know what they meant. And now that I've seen it, they are, they're kind of just there to scare you. But they sound great. I'll give it that. I don't know. The first film didn't have as much twig snapping. The last one had rustling and leaves and things. This one, it's all about the twig snapping. And I wish they'd use surround sound a little better. They did a little bit in my theater where every so often it sounded like it was in one corner of the theater. But pretty much it seemed to be coming out of the center speaker. And sure, I understand you may be going for that found footage. You don't have surround sound on an earpiece camera, but I would have liked to have had sounds coming from specific direction. I was in a very fine movie theater and they definitely had a sound mix that utilizes the full range of the speakers. I felt like, if anything, it's more over the top this time. I mean, it yeah. sounds like a Cloverfield monster is coming for them later. I mean, it's these are some loud distancing sounds. And one thing, again, another compliment for the sound mix here is I literally thought there's at times people talking in the theater and I'm looking around. No, it's because like it's focusing on two characters talking and there's background characters talking and like the mics on their cameras are picking that up like and it messes with you like is that the witch making noises is that background characters there are just little things in the mix to kind of creep you out there were only six other people in my theater so i knew they weren't talking yeah i know there's <laughs> only about 20 in mine <laughs> you know but i gotta say winger uses a trick that i get very tired of and that's the video glitch uh, i mean yes. he wants to keep having the jump scare and you know sometimes you know moments should just linger he, he allows lingering moments too but i feel like things get really quiet so then he can have a you know video interference and go and and you know that's the jump scare is that and, and a lot of the scares are just other characters walk up to someone behind their back and they don't realize it and turn around and you see them yeah oh the fake scares in this just a couple of them i understand they're cheap when you have the loud noise or the music sting and oh it's just the cat but fool me once, shame on you. Fool me three times, you're boring me. Yeah, he does it. I mean, from the get-go, from the Lionsgate insignia, we're seeing distorted video. Are we to believe that this is the quality of the cameras, or are we supposed to think that the witch is playing with the footage, that she actually doesn't want to be on camera? She has a video toaster is what it is, and, you know, she's converted it all. Yeah, old equipment that can't process it. <laughs> So we need to get that girl a budget, is what you're saying. <laughs> Kickstart the witch, and maybe she can, yeah, we can get a professionally looking Blair Witch 4. But yeah, First Night is more or less a repeat, but I'm looking for the variants. You know, yes, these are the same things, but you do that to create the sense that when it does change, that when Lane goes off to pee, oh, he may not be coming back. That he does come back, and that they have another day is kind of surprising it makes you wonder yeah. not what's going to happen to them but when yeah i'm looking for those variances as well because I, I think that's where this film is either going to live or die is how can it set itself apart from that original one and the next day when they wake up and it's 2 p.m 
mm-hmm. and they, they had alarms set for earlier and they don't, none of them know how they've slept so long. There's no scary sounds or scary imagery, but I feel the dread there probably because I've seen that last and I know you don't want to be there at night again. And at 2 PM, now your day's gone. Like you only have a few hours of sunlight left. Like you got to hurry and pack up and get out of there. Something to, like the witch really messes with the time continuum in this film. Yeah including with the footage that they're actually filming. But you know what I'm getting is that they're doing the original movie, but they're making it happen faster. You know, the the original movie was seven days long here. They're like, it's really only two and a half days, but they're going to have a time loop that makes you think that some of them did spend seven days out there. It's what can you say? It's for the millennial generation. They want to cut it faster. They (laughs) want the shocks to be louder. They want to do it bigger. A big point of discussion for Blair Witch 2 to a lesser degree, Blair Witch One. Is anyone here to blame? And is there any way to not see that what we're watching is supernaturally influenced? Yes, Lane is going to be exposed and is going to cop to putting up the Wicker Men, but I think most everything else that happens to them can only be understood as, if not a witch, at least something supernatural happened. Yeah, they they try to say that they drugged their water and that's why it's 2 p.m. I'm not buying any of that. Like, Lay might have had a couple little April Fool's Day jokes that he was going to pull, but I, I think... And who knows, it might not just be staying the night that has upset the witch. It could be that they mocked her by putting up those fake stick figures. Mm -hmm. Good point. Could be. I always thought it was the messing with the piles of stones in the first film that did it. And we get one pile of stones in this film. They kind of stick to the wicker men and stay away from the stones. But one thing I liked about that first film, yes, there could be a witch or... It could be Josh, who's just gotten all crazed, or it could be absolutely nothing. For all we know, at the very end, Heather tripped. But this one, they're going paranormal activity. We're going to see bodies dragged away by nothingness. We're going to see the witch off in the distance. There's no ambiguity, because I Mm -hmm. think they're pandering to a younger audience who's used to seeing the ghost at the end. I don't know if it's necessarily that. Maybe if you're arguing that this is a remake for a generation that's never going to go back and watch that original one. For myself, I'm thinking about this as now playing as forced me to think about how do sequels work. I just watch all the Jaws movies because they are thrown up on Netflix, and I want to go back and listen to that retrospective that I wasn't on. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. Those sequels are bad. I, I know, but I felt like number three, like when they're at SeaWorld. Leah Thompson. Like, that's stupid, but it, it almost <laughs> worked because it's just an exploitation movie. And that's what you're almost forced to do by three. So I don't mind, like in a sequel, that we're getting less ambiguity. Like if a trilogy was just totally ambiguous and never get, I don't know if that would work. I don't know if it's ever been done. Yes. But I don't know if I necessarily want that when I get to a part three. I do want it some more finite answers and just more scares, more fun. I'm going to come down hard on this. They need to commit this time to the witch being real. You don't feel they do? I do. And and I'm applauding them for that. I hear complaints that they do, and and you could say it's dumbing down for a younger audience, but I think that after three movies, to not to have solid footing in anything would be really frustrating. And I think Book of Shadows got in way over its head by trying to be too clever about what's real and not. Well, you guys keep saying the third movie, but everybody wants to forget Book of Shadows. So realistically, (laughs) this is part two. Very few saw that, I'm guessing. (laughs) And it's a part two that's coming 17 years after the original. So 
I actually think it's a bad thing to do this. What I kept thinking of when I was sitting in the theater, and maybe because it's out in the woods, but Twin Peaks, and the more they tried to explain that the spirit of Bob was in an owl, and if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, just join us next year, we'll figure out where we're doing that. But the more they tried to explain the Black Lodge and Bob, and the stupider it all became. Sometimes you just like the mystery. You know what, though? This is about a witch. I don't feel this is Twin Peaks level. Like, in Book of Shadows, I wanted to see the witch. And so here's the real part, too. Show me the witch, and I'm going to get that. I want it in the sequel. Yeah, and I don't know that we ever see a great image of the witch. But again, I think it is the right instinct to finally say, for sure, yes, something weird is going on. Who knows? Maybe it's aliens. (laughs) Yeah, I thought they might have a UFO with the way the light was going through the cracks in that building at the end. (laughs) We could find out that all of this witch lore was just how the townspeople explained what actually was an ET invasion. I don't know. But I, I have this much I walk away confident in. This is not three kids that went crazy and film themselves attacking each other. If Lane is responsible for luring these kids in there, he's doing it under a demonic influence. I do have to wonder, though, do young kids know about the black guy dies first rule now? (laughs) I mean, if you're a 17-year-old today, you may not know that in the 80s that was the cliche. I can't believe they actually did it in this. Like, I'm like, they can't kill Pete first. Yeah, it should be said the groups have tried to get back to the car. Once they found out Lane and Talia were responsible for hanging up those wickermen, they told them to go their own way. And the GPS has brought them back to the campsite. Spooky. We've gone in circles. And yeah, Pete goes out to what? Get some firewood and gets a tree dropped on him. I didn't realize he was dead. I thought he was injured, but I didn't realize he was dead, dead when that tree comes down. I thought at first maybe he was But we keep seeing some of his footage, and then they think they hear him. So I was just thinking they were repeating the first one, and people were going to disappear. This is where the movie did shock me. We're going to have definitive on-screen death. Yeah, we never saw bodies in the last one. We already seen some teeth at one point, but we never saw bodies. And here, because they have those cameras on their head, we'll see them get pulled away, and then the screen goes dark. And this was the one time where I actually did get kind of scared was that there's something about the roar. I mean, I guess whenever you have something at a certain level of decibel uh, (laughs) that's so jarring, it's just going to rattle your spine. So maybe it's just a natural biological response. But when that roaring gets louder and louder, you know, and it's all first person at this point. We see him peeing on a tree and then he's wandering around with the flashlight. It is kind of scary, and I didn't know what was going to come at him, but yeah, it's a whole tree. And I think he's more or less dead there, but then I think we hear a little bit of shallow breathing, and then something definitely comes and grabs him. So I take that to mean that he's been had. Once you're grabbed by whatever that is, then I did not think he would come back. So much had repeated the beats of the last one. I just wasn't expecting anything new. So that they did it shocked me. But I did expect Lane and Talia to come back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the way they come back, this really, like, freaked me out, is they come back and they're all dirty. Lane looks like he's got some more facial hair. And they said they've been gone for five days. Like, again, I didn't expect this to be like a time warp movie that it's turning into where it's only been a day. At least that's what we perceive. But for them, it's been five days of wandering around in the woods. And apparently this is a fan theory about the first film, is that time was played with. I don't know that we caught on that, but it was brought up to me by some listeners after. 
that this film is just going in and making it definitive because there's no way Lane can grow that much facial hair in a few hours. Yeah, and Lane doesn't stick around. He takes off. He's freaked out for whatever reason. He doesn't want to stay with them, but Talia will. She's hungry. They give her a granola bar or something. Yeah, he says that they're dead. So by staying with them, it would mean they're dead. But he leaves his girl. Yeah, and we know something really bad is going on with Ashley. I mean, from early on, getting that foot injury, I know that that means she's marked in some way. And then we got some footage of, like, let's pull back the gauze and see what's going on in that wound, and something is in her, alive. I I thought maybe she was going to transform, like, grow hair like the witch or something. I'm right there with you, Stuart. I thought maybe she'd turn into a wicker man, the witch, Mm -hmm. something. You guys are thinking way too much about the Fly series we're doing (laughs) on the donation feed here. You're looking at Brendel Ashley. Well, her body is changing. So, I mean, I did not think they'd kill her before we'd see whatever was inside her hatch. I thought it was funny every time someone looked at that wound, they're like, oh, no, 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 it's not that bad. And she's like, really, really, it's not? And it, it's an awful wound. Like, that is a big old gash in her foot. And a practical effect. They actually built that. There's no CGI in this movie that is not CGI. They actually had a fake leg and stuck things out of it, and I thought it looked pretty good. And when they're squeezing that wound and the pus runs out... There were these three women, middle-aged, sitting in the row in front of me, and they were squirming and squeeing and making all kinds of disgusted noises to the point that I was watching them as much as the screen. Like, how over the top is your reaction going to be, ladies? But they were into it. Yeah, I'm not getting like that, but anytime there's stuff done to the body, body horror type stuff like this, things moving around, having to, you know, at one point she's going to pull out like some thistles, like that is stuff that makes me squeamish. Yeah, that's when they were freaking the most. Yeah, that makes the theater experience fun. I was waiting for that. I was judging my audience. It was about, I don't know, 20 people tops. It was pretty small, but there were pockets of people that were of different demographics trying to enjoy this. I heard a couple tithers, but by and large, I didn't hear a whole lot of call and response to the screen. I felt like... Yeah, I was basically just grateful they didn't pull their phones out until the credits rolled. Yeah, this was the only time the audience reacted. and Yeah, I was taking it a sign that people weren't getting scared by this film because I, I was hoping there were going to be those kind of reactions that you were getting, Arnie, and it just it never happened with the 20 people I saw this with. And this was opening night. You would think that they would be really into it, but it wasn't like the first one got a whole lot of reactions either. There was a lot of tedium in it, and I feel like one thing they've definitely done slavish remake though this may be is that they've definitely sped things up and that by day three we're in a climax i mean they have a very extended you know the first movie ended with about two minutes running around a house in the dark and this one they're going to go big here i think for over half an hour we get a whole lot of you know grandiose set pieces but first talia has to die well yeah when we get to day three things really speed up It's 7 a.m. They set their alarm this time. They go out and it's still dark. They, again, messing with that time. And there's even bigger wicker men everywhere. Like, to me, again, this was unsettling. If I was watching this at midnight in the dark at my house or something with my wife, I I, I could see myself getting kind of creeped out by this, like when I watched that original Blair Witch. I thought it worked. Yeah. I don't know that the time thing worked with me because it's still dark, you know, I don't know why the Blair Witch likes to go ahead and mess with digital times or whatever's going on there. Because it's a witch. You got to do things in the dark. Well, yes, it has to be nighttime. But does it have to be two o'clock in the afternoon still nighttime? That wasn't affecting me. But 
What I never expected out of any Blair Witch movie ever, not even Book of Shadows gave me this, was to see a supernatural death on screen. Now, poor Pete, and I liked that character, had a tree fall on him. But then when they find these other wicker men and Ashley limps out, grabs one and snaps it in half. And then we see and now I'm like, okay, we're totally in Paranormal Activity or any of these other movies. Talia's body just snaps in half too, bends over backwards in a weird contortionist way. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, she has these purple hair tresses, and that wicker man that got broken had her hair wrapped around it. So even though I was going from the presumption that they represented Ellie Kedridge, they're really voodoo men. Yeah, and this is one thing where I wish this was just shot as a standard movie because I got lost in all this. There's screaming, shaky cam. There's something in that wicker man. I don't know if it's hair or whatever, but Talia's freaking out over it and— it's her hair. It's wrapped in purple hair. Okay, yeah, I, it was it was hard to tell for me. That I didn't catch. I didn't. Yeah, I did not notice that. But Ashley snaps it, and I don't know. I maybe I blinked, but it seemed like a very quick. I all of a sudden it seemed like Talia was on the ground, folded in half, like like that voodoo doll. Which I wish it was just shot more conventionally, so I could see. I want to see again. This body horror stuff with Ashley is freaking me out. I would like to see more of that contortion stuff. Sadly, that body horror goes nowhere. Her death has nothing to do with her foot. Well, yeah, we'll talk about it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, from this point on, it's a big chase. The rest of this movie does not stop. There will be no more daylight. There will be no more lingering and looking at rocks and whining and crying. The the stuff that I felt like made the middle of Blair Witch kind of a tedious experience. Here, the idea is adrenaline, adrenaline, adrenaline. And this movie got me to jump one time. And it's... (laughs) It's so stupid, but it's, you know, there's, I think it's Lisa standing there and all of a sudden that 10 like shoots up into the air behind her. And that did get me to jump in my seat. Yeah. And you, you, you referencing paranormal activity is exactly right, Arnie. That is exactly what that movie, as it builds, what it uses, those kinds of yank it out of the room shocks. Mm -hmm. I've seen it in the trailers. I've never seen a paranormal activity film, but I've seen enough trailers to know it's in it. So... (laughs) I was a little unnerved by what the witch does to Lisa here. You know, they all go scattered running around, but eventually James meets up with Lisa and I think the witch is messing with her eardrum. Like she's breaking the bones of her ears and she goes temporarily deaf. It's really an unsettling. I know that it was very loud and distorted voices for a little bit. And it was really, I don't know, it was one of the ickier moments of the movie. Just to think that, you know, someone could crush, I guess because she had that ear camera in and she was so concerned with the tech that they just, the witch took that opportunity to mess with her hearing. Is that what happened? I thought it was just like one of the speakers went out on the camera. Yeah, that's how I took it. The the speaker was blown out. I mean, no, it was hurting her. Okay, I did. I didn't get that. He had to calm her down, tell her just breathe. She is in agony. Well, they're in a scary situation. I again, I didn't correlate it with the broken eardrum if that was going on. I thought the witch might be messing with her footage again, but this time, the the soundtrack and not the video image. Yeah, they do a lot with the sound. They have walkie-talkies this time, and all these creepy voices are always coming over those walkie-talkies every time they're trying to talk to each other. Like, eh, A lot of that stuff is, again, put to good effect. I got to say, though, the worst 
most disappointing death is Ashley, who goes next. Like, we see her. She's sitting on the ground. Something's in her leg. We see blood all over her leg. And I'm like, is something? Is this the thing growing in her? And she's going to pull a stick with some thorns out. And, okay, you could say maybe that was growing into her or maybe that was just thrown into her leg as things were getting blown around. It's not very conclusive. I thought they but, might have been leeches. You know, they talk about leeches <laughs> being in the water. It seems like something kind of alive and squirmy. Now, I don't know if it was me. Maybe you guys saw this. Maybe it was my imagination. But she pulls out those thistles, and the screen goes black for a second, and I swear there's like an outline. I'm like, is that our first image of the witch? It's very quick. I saw it, too. Okay, you saw it, too. Okay, good. It wasn't just me, then. No, I missed it. I thought maybe it's Tyler Dearden putting in some genitals. Who knows? <laughs> I think I went through the last half hour of this movie not even blinking, knowing I had a time to see this exactly once before we reviewed it. And so, yes, I paid attention and wrote down every time I thought they showed the witch and just whether it was a subliminal hint like this one or later on. I don't think we ever see the witch look the same way twice either. They really, they want us to walk out like, it looked like this. No, it looked like this. When Yeah, it looked like all of them. I feel like I have a pretty good idea what it looks like by the end, but maybe that's just me. But I feel like, why does Ashley climb up a very large tree? Like, she's got a hurt leg, and she feels like the best thing to do is climb up a tree to get this drone that crashed earlier on. Well, I don't know how she has the drone control, because it was Lisa who was piloting the drone, and the drone kind of goes out of control and crashes. Somehow, its battery is still running. It's still trying to get out of the tree. The drone is... In my mind, the best way to find a way out. If you can get that drone to show you where a road is, you now know definitively where to, which way to go and how far to go there. But they already had that moment. I don't know that Ashley was present for it, but Lisa did send that drone up when there was daylight and said, I can't see anything. But And that's when it crashed. Yeah, they, she loses yeah. control of it, trying to go higher. and Maybe Ashley doesn't know that. Of course, it's dark out. So even if the witch wasn't going to mess with it, I'm not sure that there would be enough light from the road for her to see. But whatever. Yeah, it's kind of a dumb death, and it's most upsetting because I thought that she was fated for something ickier hatching out of her, and the fact that she just... She slips and falls. A surprise. I mean, let's not undervalue the fact that we didn't see this coming. Yeah, but once she started climbing that tree, I'm like, okay, this is how she goes. And again, it seems like the Blair Witch can control wood. Is she wood elemental? I don't know. But trees are falling. I'm sure she just made a, a branch snap, and she goes down. But we actually see that camera shot going down. I actually thought something pushed. Like, there's something, I don't know if it's a tent or what, but there's, like, something that gives a downward motion that I felt pushed her down. And then we see her fall, and we see the camera fall, and... But she loses some fingers. It's worth pointing out, and I want to ask if either of you have played with drones. I know that they're like helicopters, but they don't have exposed blades, right? I mean, No, they, they do. You can stick your fingers in it and get your hand chopped off? I don't think so. Like, not like commercial drones that you could buy at Target or something. They're all yeah, plastic. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. I didn't notice that she lost fingers. So Yeah, I think that's why she fell. I didn't see that either. This drone is stuck in this tree, and its blades are making this chainsaw noise. And I kept thinking, yeah, that's going to cut into her flesh. That's going to take her fingers. No, what I saw was her reaching for it. Not making it, reaching for it, not making it, downward shove motion, and she falls. I never saw fingers get cut. I didn't think that's the reason she fell. And I just read it as the branch snapping, so there's your ambiguity for this film. 
Yeah, and I, I like that. I, we can all we also th- see all something different. That is what Blair Witch is always predicated on. Was that the reason why we don't have a definitive legend is because everyone has their own take about what happened and and what didn't. And that is such an optimistic way to look at shitty camera work. It's ambiguity that we didn't show it clearly. <laughs> I mean, if this wasn't found footage, no, no, really, you're you're dinging the movie. I mean, this is found footage, Arnie. I don't know why you would expect different if it wasn't found footage and we had bad camera work like this and so we all walked away trying to figure out how she died it would not be satisfying it could be bad camera work or it could be like i think if someone like kubrick was in charge who likes ambiguity a director could like ambiguity and shoot things on purpose that way i you know this is found footage it's a witch you don't really know what's going on i just think it's a bad death and like because she should have had something grow out of her but you bringing it up makes me wonder you know hitchcock loved novelty he made 3d movies he made movies all shot in the same set he always put restrictions on himself it really makes me wonder what he could do with the genre i agree it seems limiting and that the camera work is often working against the enjoyment of the film. But I don't know. If we had a really inventive filmmaker like Hitch, maybe I could expect more out of found footage. But honestly, Arnie, these kind of abstracted deaths are what it is all about. I've seen about 20 found footage movies, and they always kind of look like this. No, I agree completely. In the hands of an auteur who sees his found footage as a way to do something new, then... This could be an amazing cinematic technique, but I feel that every found footage movie I've seen since Blair Witch just leans heavily on that crutch of the same kind of things. Like, oh, you can't really see, and we're going to do that because it's a camera that's found footage, and so you just have to kind of guess and be scared by the ambiguity. And it was scary 17 years ago. Here's the thing. I've been kind of annoyed by the found footage thing up to this point, but once... James and Lisa get to the house. They find Rustin Parr's house. It looks like it did 20 years ago in this movie continuity and that original Blair Witch film. The found footage works here. Once James goes in and I don't know, maybe it's how I'm reading it, but it looks like, you know, he'll go through a door and we're seeing this first person and then he'll turn around. It looks like now there's two doors there or doors are moving around. I really feel like you get the sense that this house is shifting as you travel through it. And I don't know how well you could do that if this was just a standard still shot. But by seeing it through the actor's eyes as he's turning and moving around, I really it almost becomes like this fun house, this creepy, creepy front house Mm -hmm. that he's going through. I really like once we get into Rustin Parr's place, like I think this is the best stuff in the film. I was excited. I was clock watching up until this point, but that we were at the house and I knew how long this movie was and I knew we had a half an hour to go. I'm like, good. We're going to get more of this. You're going to take us somewhere new. You're going to give us some answers. I was excited to see what happened inside that house, and I still was expecting Heather Donahue to show up in cameo. <laughs> okay, well, let, let's talk about what James... James goes in first. He is convinced that Heather is alive and in there. I think that's the moment I actually realized. I'm like, wait a minute. You actually think that she's been sitting around waiting for you? Inside that house, yeah, for 20 years. <laughs> Come on. But he does end up running upstairs, and there's a lot of can't-trust-our-own-eyes things moving into the walls and whatnot. But he ends up in... A bedroom is looking under the bed and then some woman is most certainly coming at him as lightning is going off. That is not Heather. There is no way you're going to let me believe that that is the 20 years later film student. That's the witch, right? Yeah, that's what I took it as. And I'm going to throw a theory out here. She gets him. The James we see for the rest of the movie is not really James at all. 
No, and I think that becomes very clear at the end. I guess you could argue that at the end she gets him right before he does what he does. Oh, no. I think when Lisa reunites with James later, she's talking to a mirage of the witch. Oh, okay. I I think it's just we're going to run into Lane again. Like, James is in there for a while. Lisa's on the outside. We see, ooh, like, look, it's like half a second, but that shot of the witch, again, I'm thinking about that story they told where they stretched out her limbs, and it almost looks like Mm -hmm. that stick man in flesh when you see it for just a brief few seconds. What was I looking at outside? That was the witch? Yeah. I took that as the witch. It wasn't all that far removed from the McFarland toy. It kind of looked like a humanoid golem with long, gangly limbs and... Kind of longish hair. Yeah, oof. This is when I wish I was watching the movie at home on Blu-ray. You and can pause it. Pause. <laughs> I really couldn't distinguish in those flash frames. I could, I you know might have looked down at my notes or something, but like the the flash of that. What seemed more important to me was that lightning hit the tree and it broke in half. And I thought, oh, is that the tree where the DV footage is. is going to be found? And so basically, yes, they've gone back in time and are creating the footage that they will see on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we see, I mean, as Lisa goes in, she's going to run into Lane again, who has seen the witch. He's talking about, he understands why Rustin Parr did what he did. Once you hear that voice, you have to obey it. And he knocks her out and what throws her in the cellar and and thank goodness there's that exposition about the underground railroad (laughs) where's harriet tubman i gotta say this underground again it is unsettling the claustrophobia like at one point lisa is like stuck in that hole and you know you think about andy dufresne doing this through 300 yards of shit that's nothing what lisa goes through when she is i the claustrophobia was freaking me out in this film. I can't say that it did a whole lot for me. This is one of the moments where I felt they cheated the found footage. Sometimes I'm like, wait, where's the camera? She's throwing that camera ahead, I guess, for the light. Yeah, but then sometimes we're seeing the cameras. Like, there's no place for a camera to be. But I'm not claustrophobic, so this really, I was just like... Honestly, I was getting birth metaphors where she was stuck and had to kind of push herself through. And <laughs> Not every tunnel is a birth canal. <laughs> but this one seemed extra birthy. <laughs> okay, I won't take it away from you, but that reading doesn't do anything. There was a lot of liquid coming out. and It's just mud. Okay. Sometimes mud is and, mud. <laughs> uh, yeah, when she comes out and is born, she gets to see Lane because... You know, he does come at her again, and she gets a definitive kill. I think we can know for sure that he is dead because he gets a knife in the neck. But she doesn't mean to, does she? Because she's, like, trying to punch through with the knife. Yeah, no, something just attacks her, and she starts stabbing. Yeah, she just happens to stab him in the neck. I don't feel like it's either malicious or in self-defense so much as, oh, shit, my knife just went in your neck. I wonder if it was going to be like, ooh, the Twilight Zone twist where that was going to be James trying to like grab her and comfort her or something. She killed him. But no, it is Lane. He gets it. He's gone. Yeah. So I think this makes her last girl, right? We would presume that no one else was alive and that. Yes. We haven't seen what happened to James, though. We just know he saw that face. I would presume if the witch was coming at him that he's probably dead. We did see very briefly Peter in the corner and then he just kind of vanished. It was like an optical illusion or something. But again, I presume that everyone has been absorbed and it's just this girl and she's running up the stairs. And as you say, there is that footage of the woman. We'll call her the woman, whether it's the witch, the Heather or yes. Is that a mirror? Is that her reflected back? That's what I took it as, is we're seeing her as she looks then all muddy and bloody. And 
that that is what we saw when they freeze framed YouTube way mm-hmm. back when. Yeah. I, I I'll go with that version. I don't think we ever really see the witch except when it's coming in the darkness for James. I, I think outside we did see the witch. I didn't see it. I wish I did. You but believe, you're right. Yeah, we definitely saw it outside. You will see a glimpse of it again. I mean, Misa, I, I love it. They, they Again, they called this out earlier. You know, when Reese saw Rustin Parr's place, it was all about the basement. And they're like, no, the attic, the basement. It depends who's telling the story. Like, they've been in the basement this time. Now, like, they call out, they're like, oh, my gosh, we've ended up in the attic. Because I do feel like this is a shifting house where that the doors will lead you to certain parts of it. And she runs into James. And I don't think James is a ghost of anything. I think James is James here because he's acting perfectly afraid. I don't, I had nothing to make me believe James was taken previously. Well, here's what I would say. I think it's the witch's sense of humor that comes out when he starts repeating Heather and saying, I'm so sorry. It's all my fault to me. If you take it that James actually said that, uh, that's stupid. But if you take it that it's the witch laughing about the footage and that her final victim is being lured into the corner exactly where she wants her, that it's taken a form that it can't be really seen because it doesn't want the person to be dead yet. If you really see her, you're dead. I take it as all of this is part of the tricks. I took it as just a complete take in that the it's all my fault. I'm sorry. They're just replaying that beat from the first one. I, I again, I think the witch is replaying that beat. I think she thinks this is funny. Whether James is a ghost or he's gone rust and pars, just like we saw with Lane, I could go either way with that. But I do feel like at this point he's been possessed. But I, I love the tension when they're standing there in the corner and like, don't look back. I thought they might do more. I thought like at this point, again, this, this is a you could either say a part two or part three of the Blair Witch franchise. But were we going to see limbs like rat like because the, that witch has to look at you for you to die. And it looks like it's tempting him. It's trying to scare him to turn around. And Lisa keeps looking in that viewfinder. Were we going to get, I almost feel like it was like an alien moment or alien three, I guess, where that alien gets right up in Sigourney Weaver's grill. The reason I never believed James was possessed or a spirit is because he finally thinks he hears Heather and turns around and then is taken. I, I felt like that we witnessed the moment of his death here at the end. Yeah, it's a possibility, but I just got the sense that she was really the last one in this place and that the fact that he just vanishes and that we hear his voice saying, I'm so sorry again, leads me to believe that that's the witch saying, oh, that's me as your ex-boyfriend. That wasn't your ex-boyfriend. But regardless, yes, that she backs up thinking that if I don't look at her, I won't die. This is all retconned, I want to add. That was never a part of the original one. No, I would never think... Think that that's a guarantee that if you shut your eyes and fumbled your way to the front door, she'd let you go. You could Indiana Jones in the Lost Ark way you're out of this. Yeah, I I agree. She's dead. And we know that she's dead if we believe the text at the beginning that said this footage was found. However... We know nothing about this footage, if whether it was found buried underneath a house or or who discovered it. or It could be the witch trying to lure us into the woods. Like, yeah. I mean, you yeah, you don't know where that footage is from. And I, I do feel with James that he's gone Rustin Pars and he, he does kill her. I feel like the witch doesn't like to do her own dirty work. She's going to make a tree <laughs> fall on you. She's going to get a, a weird dude that lives in the woods to kill you. Mm-hmm. You might be right on this. 
But I didn't really like the ending of the original Blair Witch because I'm like, what does a axe murderer have to do with a witch? And why are people standing in the corner now? I do feel like they've done that again here, but it's just done so much better. Like, I, I'm actually invested. Like, again, this last half hour, I'm really into in this movie. And I'm invested. Like, the fact that they ended it pretty much the same way as that original, I'm going with it this time because I feel like they've given more reason for things to turn out this way. Well, it left me wanting, much like the first one. It, I The lights went up, and I was like, I knew it was the end because it had followed the pattern. We know how the first one ended, and so we didn't need to see the credits, which are very long this time, by the way, to know that it was all over. I didn't stay for them. I, oh, I definitely did. I thought maybe there would be filmmakers back at the film school or somebody to give this context. I don't know. I, I went to the website. I looked around for clues. They're not doing all the games this time they're not doing that there's not an expanded universe to explain how we are to interpret this footage well how do we interpret it jacob stewart do you recommend blair witch jacob i'm super positive about the last half hour of this film when they go into the house like really like that stuff thought it was really strong the problem is i'm so ambivalent during the first i guess hour some of the stuff works some of it i'm, I'm upset that it's found footage uh, they're doing a lot of the same tricks that just don't work as well this time. The sound mixing is great. The sound editing is great. I, I like the sound effects here. And I do like some of the differences that they make. I like that they make this, again, more definitive who the witch is, how, her connection with Rustin Pars. Uh, can I recommend a film? Because it has a really strong half-hour ending and, and the rest I'm kind of eh on. I, I'll give it a weak recommend. Like, if you like that first one... The stuff in the woods here, I think, is lesser, but the stuff in the house is better than a, that original. I'll put it that way. So for me, th this is a weak recommend. Stuart. Well, you know, this is what Hollywood does. They want the cool cachet of an indie film, but then when it comes time for them to, to co-opt it, they do it bigger, splashier, more polished. And it's an aesthetic thing. Do you like the grimy thing? that was ambiguous and was made for pennies and shocked everyone? Or do you like the Hollywood context in which more things are explained, but the scares are bigger, the sound development is louder? I, I, I can honestly say that I think that if I was a millennial and never saw the first one, that I would like this, maybe even better than if I went back and saw the original. It probably would make no sense if you'd seen other found footage movies like Paranormal Activities. You'd probably wonder, what is the big deal about this Witch. And I do think that it's a better experience not to have seen the first movie. You're likely to be more surprised. If you didn't like the first movie, this is not going to change your mind. I, I do want to emphasize that all the things that were irksome about that original are still here and present. Which leads to me, personally, as someone that did like the original but called it a stunt. Can you make a sequel to a stunt? Well, I think they made a decent effort. I found the movie completely watchable. I was never bored. And in fact, I would say that I was even less bored than the original, but I was also less scared and unnerved from the original. I think this movie is completely watchable, disposable, but like so many reboots, kind of just doesn't get what made that original so chilling. And so I'll give it a pass too, but I want to stress, it's a pretty ambivalent one. You don't need to see this movie, but if you feel like going back to the woods... Well, there are worse things to watch. Three for three on total ambivalence towards this film. <laughs> I was sitting there for most light of it. Light green arrows all the way around. <laughs> I think I'm going to go light red because I wasn't even as enjoying the end as you two were. 
I found myself clock watching a lot during this and feeling like it was repeating a lot of beats. It's not a bad movie, but I wasn't having a great time. I don't think it's a good movie either. And sometimes I was really frustrated by the movie experience. If they'd had a creature grow out of Ashley, that would have been just enough to give me something to hold on to. I can't take anything in this movie and hold it up as this was great or this was very well done. I'm glad that they went a little bit more definitive on the witch and yet I'm disappointed that they felt like they had to just ape paranormal activity and all those other films by having the bodies dragged off by invisible forces and the fake jump scares. So in that way I kind of feel it balanced even but there's nothing in here that makes me say I can recommend it. There's not a whole lot in here that says I can't either. But I'm, <laughs> I'm good, just because of sheer ambivalence, I have to just decide, am I going to be kind today or am I going to be cruel today? And I think I'm going to be a little cruel. I'm going to go mild, not recommend. Yeah, we've crossed this so many times where, I mean, the one I always think about, honestly, the one that like still kind of haunts me is Carrie 2012. I'm like... <laughs> that haunts you? <laughs> I'm like, should I have given that a recommend... <laughs> I almost could give that a recommend. I feel like going back and being like, my problem was that ultimately it was just so close to the original and not as good that I gave it a red when in fact it was probably good enough to at least say see it once. That's certainly the review I'm giving here. What I find interesting is, Arnie, you were the Blair Witch fan. You were the one that played the video game and, and went all big with it. I would think out of all three of us, you would be the one most excited to see a rehash. It was just too much of a rehash, and it just didn't impact me as well as the first one did. Can anything ever impact me as well as the first one did because it was my first found footage experience? Probably not. But I, if you're going to wear the Blair Witch name, for me, that's the granddaddy of them all. And I'm not saying that because it's the first. I know about Cannibal Holocaust. I'm saying it because it was the one that made it all mainstream, popular. It spawned a film style for the 21st century so if you're going to come out and say you are Blair Witch you're not the witch you're not paranormal activity you're Blair Witch you've got a high high bar to wear that mantle and I just don't feel like it did anything to deserve that mantle that said when I saw Blair Witch in theaters here in Springfield back in 99 some guy did stand up while the credits rolled and said, they must be pretty hard up to be putting shit like that on the screen. Nobody did that here. We just all quietly walked for the exit. I had a couple people behind me. They were very upset with this film. They were making their feelings known as they walked out. Yeah, I heard a lot of chittering about, eh, it wasn't that scary is kind of what I heard. I, I, it was difficult to read. There were some girls in front of me that for every preview, they'd play the preview like Bye Bye Man, and then it would end, and they'd go, hee! And then, you know, they'd play Annabelle 2, and hee! And then when this thing ended, they went, hee! So <laughs> I don't know what hee means. I really, I can't interpret what their response was. Are you sure they weren't checking their phones and they just got a funny text? <laughs> perhaps that was all that it was but i can just say this nobody was enthusiastic and i do think that that's going to be true i can't imagine that this is going to spawn more sequels or more eu or or anything yeah none of us are strongly endorsing this it's just the way we've come up with the rating system we got to come down on some side yeah and so i don't think we'll be back to this forest anytime soon i if we do i do really want to insist let's walk away from this reality found footage no they they gotta just do a standard film 
They've got to do a standard presentation. The one thing Book of Shadows got right. I don't know if it's set in the past. Maybe they go into the future. The entire forest has been cleared out to make way for space-age condos, and the witch has to move into a duplex. It's poltergeist? I don't know what they do, but please make it fresh and untethered to amateur videography next time, because I think you've gotten all the mileage you can from filming piles of rocks and leaves in macro photography. I think... There's a lot of things they could do. I don't know that they should walk away from found footage because it is what Blair Witch is known for. By going that more rote way, I feel Book of Shadows kind of damned itself a little bit. It wasn't as daring as the original Blair Witch. But there's a lot of things they could do story-wise here, and I'd be interested in seeing Blair Witch come back and be truly entertaining. My problem here is I didn't find this all that entertaining. I just found it a dull found footage film like so many others out there. There's nothing that makes this stand out to me. Well, then I'm really curious. Arnie, I mean, Jacob, I think you and I, it's obvious. We go one, three, two. But Arnie, where do you rank these? One, three, two. (laughs) Good. (laughs) At least you could agree there. Yeah, I mean, this is so on that borderline. This is at least true to the spirit of the original. It didn't have as good a soundtrack as part two, but... (laughs) I like that one song, but Book of Shadows had like eight good songs. But yeah, it's one, three, two. Two, there was never any real question about me giving it a green. Three, I just don't care. Yeah. Well, that's how we feel about the Blair Witch trilogy, but how are we going to feel about the Fly trilogy? Donors can find out Friday. Is Curse of the Fly as off the rails as Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2? (laughs) I guess there's the comparative. A fly film with no flies. I hear it's an underrated gem. Yeah, we know where one host stands, but yeah, I think it's a good conversation, and it certainly is unique. I mean, it goes places you would not expect. So you can hear all of those fly reviews. This is the end of the classic fly trilogy. And then we're going to be getting into 1986 films. And in a few weeks, David Cronenberg's The Fly. Find out all the details by going to nowplayingpodcast.com. Click the banner at the top. And remember, all money donated goes to support this show, to increase our server storage, to increase our bandwidth, to increase our recording equipment. Next year is our 10th year, and I can honestly say, 100%, we wouldn't be hitting 10 years if it wasn't for listeners allowing us to do so with their donations. Thank you to everyone who's donated, and everyone else, we hope you can join us on these bonus shows, and if you enjoy the show we put out every week, every Tuesday like this one, so many theatrical releases this year. If you like them, please consider throwing a little money towards the show. Leave us a tip in the tip jar. You know, I don't mean to be too crass, but I deserve something for sitting through Creep Show 3. We're going to be getting back to that next week. I don't know if donors and listeners need to pay for it, but man, I feel old. <laughs> we paid for it, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but that show is coming next Tuesday. We'll get back into that and more Stephen King in the weeks ahead. Again, all of that's at nowplayingpodcast.com. And Jacob Stewart, thank you for going camping with me one more time. And now, where am I going? The fuck away from you!
How do we feel about today, guys? Learned a lot. Very good day. Very good first day. Let's be relaxed because we've got a really, really long day tomorrow. Today was cake compared to tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing, and we hope you've enjoyed the show. It's fucking done, man. Oh. It's fucking done. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help out our show by leaving us a five-star written review on iTunes. A link to Now Playing's iTunes listing can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. I knew where we were going. Wait, 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 wait. Would that be a full of shit statement? No, I didn't. Would that be a full of shit statement? All I'm saying is that you got us lost, man. Also at our site, you can find more movie reviews, including The Shining, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Insidious, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Saw, The Avengers Films, James Bond, and more. Newsflash, everybody. That was just a movie, all right? Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at nowplayingpodcast.com and come back each week for another new movie review. We'll make movies, Heather. Yeah, what we're here to do make some movies. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. We gotta take care of each other. I know that. I know you know. I, I know, know that. I know we're both about to lose, but, we but let's try and get the last wits we have. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. There's no one here to help you. There's no one here to help Josh, you. There's no one here to help you. That's your motivation. That's your motivation. Now Playing's Blair Witch Project retrospective series is edited by Arnie. You want a hand? I want amphetamines. Weed is what I've got. Beer I'm going to get. Both. Now. Now Playing credit narration by Brock. No, but you're going around doing your thing, man. You're still doing your fucking thing. Don't fuck it and turn the goddamn thing off! Blair Witch Project films are the property of Haxon Films and Artisan Entertainment, and no infringement is intended. Yeah, it's a story my grandmother used to tell us all. Makes good a bit early. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. So I'm just putting my uh, trust in you that you know it's. Although I gotta tell you, I don't fully trust you. Now playing as a Vinganza Media production. Copyright 2016. All rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. That's it. That's enough. Stop taping. Please stop taping. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. We're leaving right now. Okay. Okay, we're out of here. We're out of here. I'm leaving. Blair Witch Book of Shadows. None of us recommended it. I think it's unduly hated on, but it's not a good movie either. So I'm oh, you didn't recommend the it? No, I did not recommend it. Uh, okay. You kind of wanted to, to, though. I had to go back and check the archives to validate that, but I didn't. <laughs> Three red arrows on the site. But I did give it a meager defense before I damned it with a red arrow. Yeah. I'm well, then I'm really curious. Arnie, I mean, Jacob, I think you and I, it's obvious we go one, three, two, 
But Arnie, where do you rank these? One, three, two. Okay. <laughs> Good. At least you could agree there. Yeah, I mean, this is so on that borderline. Are you sure that you didn't recommend Book of Shadows? I thought you did. The arrows tell me no. <laughs> yeah, but I think we have three red arrows for Indiana Jones and the Lost Ark. Yeah, no, that those right. arrows are not. I mean, there's something where the Blair Witch is playing around with. I mean, they're never right. <laughs> They're right more often than not, but hold on, let's find this out because I'll have to do some retake. Yeah, yeah I know. You really are going to have to completely. We got the blooper if you end up going green. And I I listened to the show a couple of days ago. I thought you did. Well, hold on. He just sounded green because we were so red on it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that he was that playing does down happen. That. Like listeners think that I went red on uh, Incredibles. You didn't? Still hope you No. Didn't, you know, Throw a few bucks away <laughs> from the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to let the listeners in. <laughs> with Stuart about what I you thought go was earlier. interesting about this. Earlier than this? Yeah, because, yeah, all of that stuff is like us talking about the donation drive and all that. It would be credible, A, as a sk- <laughs> movie. Not that yeah, we're on a second earlier. movie. Wow, we went like half the show then. Uh, yeah, because we movies. had to talk about the book series and what was there going to be a part three kind of and our donation drive. It's there, it's not there. I'm eating an owl. <laughs> Poison oak? <laughs> 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 It'll be amazing if you get green air on this. Oh, sure. <laughs> Happens all the time. Oh, yeah, when she took those drugs that make you kill people, she also... This should just be a big, long blooper of us listening to Book of Shadows. Yeah, I... uh, You know what you should do is if it turns out that you did endorse this movie, you should just go back and recut two so that you give it a red arrow. (laughs) It'll really mentally screw up everybody. They're like, oh, you recommended it. I'm like, nope, go back and listen. Where they use a bunch of gibberish, like, let's pull... Are we even in my recommend? I can't tell anymore. He's the one who pulls out the knife and basically... Talking about the I film, he like went out kind of like. We're making the case; it's not good. So I'm really on <laughs> yeah, I remember being crazy. I forgot how crazy it was. <laughs> you think you personally yeah, there were forward. things there that scared you? No, no, no. Stacked rocks. It's definitely got to be forward because we're still talking about the movie. Hey, that's scary stuff. You're gonna freak yourself out. This, I mean, you yeah. could have a. Well, that's hey, a this sounds right. Uh, yeah. No roasting in it, trying to conjure evil, and you're still <laughs> kinder. Uh, not much. But, but the movie has ambitions to break new ground and to keep. in 2000 because you realize it's sounding red i'll stand by my recommendation in the year 2000 for this oh that's why i got to talk about it after (laughs) it succeeded in allowing steward to call me up and go why the hell did you make me (laughs) well it took 15 years because when i tried to talk to steward about this in 2000 i just got a whole bunch of vitriol now i finally got to have the see this is where i was earlier you're right you were right as a recommend, but, yeah, we all and I think you're right. You are going to give I it a red arrow now. This movie was something original. The only nightmare, the only thing we came across with was a sequel where they said the first movie was a movie. This does it better. And even New Nightmare ended up saying, "Hey, there still is a Freddy Krueger demon that came out." This one, when I saw it in theaters, I liked the possible mindfuck of were they crazy or was it a witch. We don't get a definitive answer, although all evidence points to witch. And so coming out, seeing a movie that is so now it sounds kind of nice. Like I'm going to give it a green. First movie. 
it's you know pretty anti Blair Witch. That's fanatic. why I thought you and did. And then to take it and add a hard rock score, I like every song on the soundtrack. I own the soundtrack. I stand by a recommendation for the I'm soundtrack. I'm just going green. Release this as a soundtrack. <laughs> oh yeah, all the Marilyn Manson rock. You like the soundtrack? Yeah, and they did a score. <laughs> and they, had, they were so green for Marilyn Manson. We can't our own show here. By saying this was the mix they were listening to that big. No, it's really getting Pomo. I guess it's appropriate for this series, but <laughs> no, really is. people literally listening to us listen to the other one. No songs in the movie. Yeah, it was pretty crap. Would you just say red or green? This one had a good soundtrack, and it went into comfortable year two thousand horror conventions too. This took. I'm just going green. Oh my god. Of the Blair Witch and said, okay, let's make a Jeepers Creepers Seed of Chucky Halloween Resurrection type of slasher film. It's far more rope for that. Well, now I'm not sure. Yet I enjoy that kind of film. Wow. I have two stewards giving me shit now. It's like the time travel. <laughs> well, no, this steward doesn't know what you're saying anymore. You really can't get more crash than Halloween 8, but all right. But now, in the 15 years since, everything that I found intriguing about this, mm -hmm. I've seen done so much better. Fight Club is perhaps the best. Was it happening? I don't even. Anyway, about Blair Witch I'm Two, you care to have an opinion? I'm saying Fight Club took this similar concept much, much, much better. So I now say this is only a recommend. Yeah, this this is where really the author got it from. Book of Shadows. You can see why I didn't know whether you said red or green. Fifteen years later. This is some rote trash, and I'm going to give it a not recommend. Ah, oh, oh, there it is. Okay, you don't have to record. Woo. World's longest blooper. <laughs> Two, there was never any real question about me giving it a green. Three, there's a lot of questions about you giving it a green. We just listened to it. <laughs>